Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Waiteka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Hello, everybody. Today is Tuesday. Go figure. This is a special edition of the Born to Talk radio show. And why is that? Because I have three special, incredible women that frankly, just flew into town a couple of hours ago, and I am delighted to have them on my show. This show is about the I Am Superwoman Movement and Equality and Empowerment Summit that's going to be this Friday at the Beverly Hilton Hotel. Their mission is to inspire, empower, lead, and build to help recalibrate and re-educate a new generation, and the money raised will go to the nonprofit Shiro's United. And I'm I have goosebumps. I am so excited to have all of you joining me. And I'm going to introduce you each individually. So I would like to introduce Sue Melke. She is an award winning producer of She For Me, a marriage equality music video PSA, and the co producer of the Amer- of the National I Am Superwoman Challenge campaign. There you go. Welcome to the show, Sue. I'm so happy to have you join me today. Uh, thank you, Marsha. I really appreciate it. Um, one of the things you'll get to know is I'm Australian from this accent. You probably can't miss that. <laughs> well, I, I think that's quite lovely. It's quite lovely. I wish I could talk like that. Okay, and, and next <laughs> to that try. is um, Celeste, Celeste Gleave. Celeste Gleave is the Shiro's United founder. She's the president She's the CEO pillar director. She's a woman warrior, and she is known affectionately as the commander. I want to know about that. Welcome to the show, Celeste. Oh, Marcia, thanks for having us. It's so exciting and fun and, and just really excited to literally, when you said we landed, we literally landed maybe an hour <laughs> ago. And so <laughs> We were so happy to get here on time, and thank you so much for having us on your show. Oh, we just love you. Total. Oh, thank you. Oh, that's so sweet. I love making new friends. And then last but certainly not least is Bridget Cook-Birch. Now, she is the executive director and one of the founding members of She Rose United. She's also a pillar director in human trafficking. And if that's not enough, She's the New York Times best-selling author of The Witness War Red. Welcome to the show, Bridget. Well, hello. It's, so, it's such a pleasure and an honor to be here, and we're so grateful to be here in L.A. and grateful to be on your show today. Thank you for having us. My pleasure. I think it's for me because my show is Conversations, Connections, and Community, and that doesn't always mean the same thing to everybody. Um, we are in community right now, in my personal opinion. And what's important to me when I start all of my shows is who are you? You know, w- tell me a little bit about yourself because the three of you are incredibly talented women. And I would just like to go ahead and start with you, Sue. Um, could you just tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your background and, you know, where home is or any of those cool things about yourself. Sure. Thanks, Masha. Well, um, I was born in Australia by the skin of my teeth. My mother was pregnant Mm. eight months on the plane, arriving back Mm. in those days. You know, I could have been, I could have had a passport to the world if she'd have just had the baby in the air. But anyway, she didn't. So um, (laughs) I call Australia home, as they say. But I've been, um, I've been kind of coming in and out of Los Angeles a lot. And it's been, I really have been fascinated by this country it really fascinates me and I've always had a love for it so I kind of want to say my home is LA as well as Australia if I could cheat so I'm kind of like going to be in both of them but um I've always been uh, very passionate 
about trying to, because I have, I've actually been a CEO um, of my own company for 30 years and it's a marketing mm. and branding and advertising company. So we've worked in everything from publicity, you know, for, for actors and, and movies and singers and stuff. And then also to working with brands like Coca-Cola and uh, Pepsi and all those guys. And my main thing is to communicate a message that a very important message to the end user, whether it be a consumer of um, cleaning product or whether it be a, um, you know, a, a movie watcher, a movie goer or a music fan. So I've, I come up with ways to communicate that message, to dilute the message and to put it into a format that is easily acceptable and, and um, adaptable and also something that people will actually, uh, you know, learn and take on as much as they can from just the one short burst of uh, information. And one of the things that really was uh, really important to me was this whole, with the whole Me Too movement, um, I was very moved. I mean, I was also a Me Too as I'm pretty sure everyone on this phone is as well, I, I felt such a, an incredible um, amount of liberation being able to say that out, but, you know, out loud, not telling the details, but just to say that you were in some way, shape or form a victim or a survivor of that kind of um, behavior, if you want to say that. So um, mm -hmm. in that sense, I was thinking, how can we do this? How can we do something that actually helps women in general but to do it in a way that is forward motion as opposed to, um, you know, recognizing what happened to you and accepting what happened to you, but how to move forward and how to propel that forward. And with the Time's Up movement, um, they, they did great things too. I mean, everything about this is wonderful, the solidarity that's been achieved. So I started feeling what can we do to actually get out there and send a message of hope and um, inspiration and empowerment to women all around the world and men all around the world to know that there is a better way moving forward if we just channel our energies into the forward motion. That's when I started thinking about what kind of feeling, what message can we give out there? And then that's when my branding mind went into gear and, and I, I happened to be introduced to um, Celeste, Commander Celeste Gleave, who's on this phone call. She's the CEO and founder of Shiro's. And that was a really beautiful um, meeting with her. And then we decided together the idea of I am a superwoman um, became something that we could do together. So that was that was a beautiful one. And that's what inspired me to do that. Um, but, yeah, but what else can I tell you about my... Mm, well, I've had you know, the, I, I think that's a good start. I mean, because I, I, I obviously... No, I mean, I seriously, because we're going to really, once I, I, I get to know a little bit about all three of you, we're definitely going to focus on what you've already introduced, which is this movement about um, I am a superwoman, because I believe you are one of the co-producers of making this event happen. So we're going to talk a lot about that. But I'd like to move over to Celeste now. And Celeste, I basically had that same question for you. I, I don't know you. You and I, I've never met the, the three of you. So tell me a little bit about your background and and. Why I'm why I affectionately am going to call you the commander. <laughs> Tell me about yourself, Celeste. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Well, um, they if there could be a, there's a jack of all trades, then there's a Jill of all trades, and I would say I'm a Jill of all trades. I started my life very very working very very young. Um, right out of high school, went to school, got a scholarship in athletics, did all the wonderful things, felt really empowered to do something different. I decided I wanted to, to be a firewoman, the first ever firewoman in the, in the history of our state. And I took the test, and it was a, a grueling three-part test, and, and I passed it. And I was the first ever woman to pass it, and there was uh, 150 people taking the test, and only about 80 people passed. And I was one of them, and they were ranked by their scores. And I was ranked number 11. For, um, strangely enough, that's a, a joke between all of us is we run by the number 11. But I sat and I waited and I waited to call, get called. And I, I, all, everyone had been hired but me. And I called and I said, what, you know, what do I got to do? And they said, to be real honest with you, ma'am, there is uh, no facility that's co-ed, and we're just going to have to wait until something comes available. Oh, you know, gosh. back in the 80s, that's the way things were. So immediately, without thinking or asking questions, I decided to join the Army. Uh, I joined the Army. I was the 2nd Platoon uh, outside. They, Vietnam had just, uh, they had just, and I'm not, I, mm -hmm. it really sounds like I'm really old, but I'm, I'm, 
probably animals. <laughs> we were I one know of the you're first not. women platoons. <laughs> we were one of the so first funny. women platoons. <laughs> were battalions that were training with the men. So as we trained, there was one platoon of women and three platoons of men. So I literally went through the military training with the men alongside of them. Did that for about six years. I was I went as a combat medic and loved every second of it. Being working for my country and signing my life away to my country was the biggest honor and the the most empowering, extraordinary opportunity of my life. I stayed in the military for a while, short while. Uh, got out, decided I wanted to go back to school. I uh, went to uh, resort management school, got my degree in resort management, became a hotel hmm. administrator, and on and on. But where it got really interesting is um, I decided, uh, after working in the hotel, hotel industry for several years, that um, I literally, it was too, too grueling, so I wanted to move home. I'm a mama's girl. I wanted to move home, and I decided to start my own company. And so I started my own company, and it's now celebrating its 29th year, and I, what I work do is I sell aircraft and runway de-icers to the U.S. military, all their airfields, um, and a lot of the commercial uh, airlines. But I like to say it's my job to keep our military mission capable. Um, with that being hmm. said, I, got a, I gained a lot of friends in the, in the military and in the various branches, and it turns out that they kind of liked me too. So they asked me to be the honorary base commander at Hill Air Force Base, and I was so proud. I did that, and I was just, oh, oh. oh yeah. And so here I was for a year, and I was going to air shows, and I was being saluted with the, with the, with the commander there. And, and my term of one year ended really quickly, and immediately I uh, got asked by the 419th Fighter Wing if I would be their commander and so on. But what ended up happening out of all of this military experience is I was invited by the Pentagon uh, to put my name in the hat. There were many, many, many people that wanted this position, uh, and I didn't think anything of it. But there was a position coming available with the Joint Chiefs at the Pentagon. It's uh, working with, if you've ever, I think everybody, all of your listeners understand what the Joint Chiefs of Staff are there. Anytime Mm -hmm. you see a political thing on TV, it's those men in the uniform sitting there. Um, but there's one from each branch, Army, Air Force, Navy, Marines, um, et cetera. And the, the Air Force Chief of Staff asked me personally to be his counterpart. So what I ended up doing yeah. is accepting that position, and I went back to the Pentagon. And my, it was my role to work as an honorary three-star general, and I was working to bridge the gap between the civilian community and the military community and not only that but their their employers and their spouses their families and what the needs were so i was told to go out and be larger than life and that's what i did because Whoa. i have a big personality and i loved it wow it the most empowering thing in the world and i'll tell you it was really good it was wonderful but then what happened is apparently i was being too large for life, um, and I, I, I started getting calls from from uh, the the uh, I don't you call them the people that take care of what goes on, and they uh, I forget what they're called community affairs. Sorry about that, okay. but their community mm-hmm. affairs office would call me and say at four o'clock in the morning, ma'am, these are your talking points. Please don't stray from your talking points. So in oh, a nutshell, I was I was vetted to use my voice and to be larger than life. But after a a while, I was given a script. And at that point, Mm. it was a game changer. And I said, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't follow a script. I don't, I never have, and I probably never will. And so I Mm -hmm. bowed out very gracefully. But you know what happens when you're empowered to work with 887,000 people in the Air Force? And then I also got asked to work with the Air Force Reserves uh, at MAGICOM Warner Robins. Well, there was another several wow. hundred thousand people that I was in charge of in the MAGICOM Warner Robins and MAGICOM Afri- Af- in Africa. So all of these wonderful oh. things that I was doing, it was just, geez, it was such a great experience. But I can't, mm-hmm. I can't, you can't just tell me what to say. I'm just not that person. So what I did is I came out and I said, you know what? Our country, our world needs more of this, but I'm going to do this. I'm going to start my own army. And I, but an army for good, an army of love, an army of 
people that that are lost. And so, hence, Shiro's United was born. And that's wow. kind of how it started nine years ago. So, wow. the Army's been busy. Wow. Bridget, I wanted, I wanted to ask you a question before we go over to Sue, and that is, you didn't say where that home state was. Where where was home for you where your mama was, is? Or do you not? You mean, are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Or, oh, I'm uh, so sorry, my, yeah, you're talking I meant to me. say to Celeste. I, I meant Celeste. Celeste, where, where was home? Um, home was and still is Utah. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. Utah. Okay, good. I, I just, I didn't uh-huh. know that. Okay. Wow, you guys have incredible stories, and and um, I'm just I'm just so so impressed. And Bridget, um, I I I would love. I listen, you are equally impressive. Would you? Um, and this isn't like who's 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 more impressive than the other. You each have your own just remarkable stories. You know, we could almost spend the whole hour just talking about the three of you. And I know we're going to get over to our subject, but Bridget. Yeah, you're up to bat, so I would really like to hear about your story now. Tell us about yourself. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I probably will keep it short and sweet because I generally am about everybody else's story. But I, I will tell you, uh, I grew up as an overachiever, type A personality, always trying to, you know, do my best. And uh, when I was in my early years of college, I ended up in the hospital and uh, Mm. listening to nurses outside in the corridor saying she's not going to make it until morning. (gasps) And the one thing that I had known in that moment was that I had not fulfilled the measure of my creation. And there was something within me that knew that there was so much more. And I was actually given a second chance at life. And when I came out of that hospital experience, I was, to, I was able to look into the eyes of anyone on the planet and see love there. And it, it absolutely mm. changed me and changed my world. And I began to write these stories, um, nonfiction stories, because you just can't make this stuff up, right, mm. of, of people. And, and I really started with gang kids in Denver who came from high-risk mm-hmm. environments and they lived their life in a box and mom and dad are gang members, grandma and grandpa, aunt and uncle, and to them it was almost like their religion. And I saw what happened when people had a belief system that dictated every single aspect of their life until someone loved them enough to show them a different way. And it totally awoken um, just beautiful things within my soul. And mm-hmm. I, I recognized mm-hmm. the power of story and the next chapter. And so I worked with these gang kids, and then I came back. I was, um, you know, in, involved in a, a, a marriage that included some domestic violence. And uh, I would like to say that I left for myself, but I didn't. I left for my children. And I was okay. able to thrive and overcome. And it took me a while because there is a lot of belief systems and things that go into any kind of abuse and and violence and, you know, Mm -hmm. um, uh, what a person will think about herself or himself. And I was caught in that cycle, but I did get, and then, you know, thrived. And I started running a trucking company while I was writing stories. And I wrote (laughs) the story of a former skinhead who changed his life. And now he teaches kids to stay out of gangs. And then I had to write a deeper, darker story about a woman who was the daughter of a serial killer and how she overcame that to create a life of joy and to move beyond the judgments and the fears of her own life and and of others. And then I was asked to write the book that uh, you talked about, The Witness Wore Red, and it was about the Mm -hmm. 19th wife of 65 women. Um, This was a woman who escaped from Warren Jeff of the FLDS and... Yeah, so she was um, married to his father, who was the prophet at the time. So she was forced to marry when she had just barely turned 19, had never dated, never kissed a boy. And this man was older than her grandfather. He was four times her age. And she was so courageous. And I watched her in the courtroom as I'm writing her book. And I watched the power of one woman to change the world. And Mm. she and I were working together on her book. We also discovered that there were more slaves today than at any time in human history. 
And the reason this was so important is because girls in the SLDS were being traded as sexual slaves. And so this was sexual slavery in the name of God, right? And Mm -hmm, the discovery mm -hmm. of that was just so horrendous and that it was happening right under my nose and I didn't know about it and most of America didn't know about it. And then to realize that that all of this um, human trafficking was happening across the world and in our own backyard. And Rebecca had inspired me how much one person can change the world. And it was at that time I said, I have to do something more. I can't just always sit behind the scenes and write other people's stories. And that work has been my life work and the best work I've ever done. But I also knew that I personally got to take a stand. And so I had the opportunity to meet Celeste. Um, I was running my trucking company and my uh, director of sales was in love with her. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) he said, you have to meet. And so we met. And here's the thing is that we saw all across aspects of business and life, women who were suffering, who had not yet been able to rise beyond being a victim into being a victor. And so Hmm. we recognized that we had come so far, but that so many women were not. And it was because of two things. One was not having the power to raise their voice and own their voice. Mm -hmm. And the other was having the opportunity to change the narrative, to change the story, to write a new chapter. And we decided we were going to do something that absolutely blew that out of the water. So together we were able to start Shiro's United and we've never looked back. It has been Mm. um, such a tremendous journey for both of us. Wow. Wow. Wow, everybody. I mean, are you just like, uh, you know, I I, I hate to say I'm speechless because I was born to talk. So I I think I will find my (laughs) voice, but my goodness, this is really a a remarkable um, uh, um, group of women that come together with the same passion. Um, Disregard that siren that they're not after you. Um, That's what happens when you move, when you're, when you're staying in the city. All right. So when we talk about the um, the I Am Superwoman movement, Sue, you basically alluded pretty much to what this is all about. And I guess what 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 I'm interested in knowing is why are where's that passion? Why are you personally so passionate about this this movement? Wow. Well, that's a good question. Um, it, it's it's funny because it kind of changes every day. But um, oh, originally, it was, yeah, originally it was because of the fact, like I said to you, the Me Too movement was something that, mm-hmm. you know, seemed to take the world by storm and it was so wonderful to see that happen. But then also there are some people who took advantage of the system. As most people will do, they'll find a way to rubbish something that's good. So people were taking advantage of it and they started saying, oh, he did this to me and suing them and bringing careers down and it became a kind of like a witch hunt and that was Mm -hmm. a bit sad so um I just thought is there a way that we can make this so we can move forward I mean when I did speak with the ladies on the phone here when I spoke to Celeste Bridget I said to them I want to turn away put my back on this because it needs to have a line in the sand just for moving forward not not to stop it Mm -hmm. but just to not allow people to take advantage anymore so by working on this this program moving forward re-educating as you said recalibrating society, uh, re-educating the next generation. And the way I I tend to talk about it is I say things like, um, one of the things I say is that we are kind of like a a big old car barreling down the wrong side of the freeway and we're absolutely lost. Humanity is Mm -hmm. lost. Um, I I don't care what politics, side of politics you're in. It's not about politics, Mm -hmm. it's about humanity. And we are, as as a a people, we're lost because um, we need to stop pull up on the side of the road and literally recalibrate and find our way home and not just find our way home, but but we have to create the home because at the moment home is not safe. We need to make it so that our children are safe so that our future generations can, can thrive in a a loving, compassionate and, you know, more forward thinking, forward planning and, and that kind of thing in the future. We can't just work forward. If we keep going the way we're going now in 30 years, I don't even want to think where we'll be. So it was just a right. chance to do that. And and it's very passionate to me because I've come from a my, – my parents are um, Middle Eastern and I came from the background of women not really having much of a voice. And, you know, my father used to say to me, 
you know, why are you going to school for? Uh, to, uh, why do you want to learn anything? You're only going to get married and be barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. So I was like, he doesn't even know me. So it's all about wow. what can I what can I do to prove that women are worth more than that. We're not just vessels to have babies. You know, we're worth more than mm-hmm. that. And I wanted to be inspired, uh, inspire other people to fight like I had fought. And I thought, this is what we do. Well, let's use the whole concept of solidarity with a Me Too movement. Let, let's do it with a positive a forward motion mm-hmm. with I am a superwoman and claiming who you are at the time. It's 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 fabulous. And we're going to talk about the big events that you're having um, at the end of this week. Um, I think that... I probably know um, the short version of why you think we need this movement because I think you've sort of alluded to it. Um, depending upon um, your age and your experience, I, I mean, I-, I can tell you my I have I have two uh, married children. I have a son, um, and I have a daughter, and my daughter is in a male-dominated um, um, environment. She's in she's in um, construction, commercial construction. And she has been able to break multiple barriers on her growth system. And this was a woman that studied theater arts in college. She had no intention of going into construction. But there are opportunities for women. Clearly, all three of you have taken advantages. I mean, how many women own trucking firms? You know, I, you know, it's 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 pretty interesting how we all have our journeys to get to where we're going. And um, I think that. When you talk about Shiro's and Celeste, I, I mean, your your introduction story was phenomenal. Were you in Vietnam in 1969, maybe? What year were you there? Do you remember? Oh, no. Actually, that was post-Vietnam, and it was, no, I'm, I, I, that, no, I'm not quite that old. I went in. Okay. And, well, no. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. You're not as old I, as I, me. That's okay. No, the, the women were there, and the women, but the, where they really started opening up the front lines was in the early 80s. To um, oh no more, kidding. Uh, yeah. Oh, all right. The, the, the women I have, have had roles all through the military, but not quite as um, opened up as it did uh, in the early 80s. Back when things Got started it. changing, it started. Yeah. So it was. That was when it was. The, I guess no, I the, reason, uh, the reason that I was interested is because personally I have been to Vietnam. I was in Vietnam in 2014 and visited the entire country. One of my friends from junior high and high school was a nurse um, in um, Da Nang. And so, you know, I, it just sort of just struck a, a, a thought with me. But my goodness, um, yeah. you've um, – yeah, I know. Um, you've um, – certainly seen a lot and you you've been in positions um that are are quite inspiring and i guess what specifically inspired you was there one element was there one just oh man one sort of a sense of inspiration that said i need to start this now i've had that experience i've had that experience but now i want this experience was there a defining moment for you for that yeah, there, there, there was, there was a defining moment, um, but there were many defining moments leading into uh-huh. that. Uh, but uh, definitely wanting to, uh, I, I saw what I was seeing with the women, women veterans, uh, especially mm-hmm. our, our, you know, our warriors, our first responders. That one of the defining moments for me was um, when you get when you come out of the military, and it wasn't so much. As, as it was back when I was in the military. But now keep in mind, I, I, I had been a civilian for X amount of years. But what I was starting to sure. notice seven, nine years ago is women are now on the, you know, they're doing big, big, big jobs. And they've been deployed and they're going back to back to back uh, deployments. And mm-hmm. one of the things that struck me is, is these women were stepping away from their lives. They're looking at their families in a rearview mirror and waving goodbye to their children mm-hmm. standing there. And, and then they go and they put their entire life aside. And maternally, as mothers, it's hard. It's hard for fathers, but that's an instinctive thing to go out and hunt and gather. But for women, instinctively, you want to protect and serve, but mostly in your own family. But our, as, right. we've, as we've 
uh, moved forward in our in our beliefs and in our society, women are now taking more active roles. And what's happening in the military is you're having you're having women that are that are snipers and and helicopter pilots and fighter pilots, and these women are brilliant. And what's happening is mm-hmm. they start, they've done eight, ten years, and they get out of the military, and they've given everything they've got, and they step into a civilian lifestyle, and there's really no, re- not a whole lot of resources. There are more and more yes. and more as we, as we move mm-hmm. forward. But back seven, eight, nine years ago, you would be told if you had some sort of a, if you were scared or didn't know anything or traumatized, they would say, go to your VA or go here or go there. And, you know, the mm-hmm. VAs weren't even designed for women. The VAs were designed right. for men. Just now, right. and I, I can speak to this, they're just barely now getting women's wings and women's sections in the VA so that the men and women don't have to uh, rehabilitate in the same room. So there, right. it was not set up that way. So what I wanted to do, and I my big vision was giving building something to where we have something to offer our protectors that have protected us, protect our protectors. I, you know, we all are, in, you know, I'm a mama bear. These ladies on the phone are mama bears. And when we want to, when we see people hurting, it's our instinct mm-hmm. to try and reach out. You know, each one of us, I've seen them all in, in any, in any situation, we see something terrible and we are the first to take off and run to it instead of it turning away and, turning a blind eye. That's not who we are. We open our mm-hmm. arms with love and integrity and responsibility, and we say, look, how can we help you? What is it that we can do to make you feel a little more safe, a little more grounded? And so that was that mm-hmm. was the inspiration for She Wrote United. And it, and it was, Bridget mentioned the horrific, because she was going through writing the books and talked to me about the human trafficking and the domestic violence. So immediately, when we were forming the organization Shiro's United, we wanted to concentrate on three specific areas, and we did it. We did this uh, kind of. We, we did this with great intention because we knew in our own society, almost everyone I knew had experienced some sort of domestic violence, whether it be verbal abuse, parental abuse, child abuse, whatever. It's out there in in many, 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 many families. And there are many families that you would never know. And so we understood that that was an epidemic, and it's not getting easier for us. And and we also understand that domestic violence is spawned from things in our society. You know, it's not always like, let's just, just put a... Let's just put a, a stereotype on it and say men are mean and they're going to come home and beat on their wives. Well, let's just narrow it down and go, why are they mean? Well, hey, he was a he was a combat veteran. He's seen and done this, and he's got trauma, and he has nowhere to turn either. So the only way he has is to vent his anger in his home. And there are a lot of things that spur, spur and spawn that on. So hmm. with the with we don't believe in breaking families up. We believe in educating and bringing forward solutions so that the families don't have to be broken up, and we can step in and and see what the true problem and the, and the, and the uh, literally the source of the problem. And if it's helpless, then yeah, go run, run, mind, you know. But if it's not, then mm-hmm. you know, try and work on it. And so what we've done is we've created, uh, and Bridget, I want Bridget to speak on this because she's most brilliant at this, and she's developed these programs herself. But Bridget, would you mind speaking on some of the programs that we've developed at Shiro? So are you are you speaking about the three pillars now? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Or are we talking yeah. about the personal bill of rights? Because Bridget, I wanted you but to kind we, of let let's let's get into the three pillars. What are they specifically? Okay. Yeah. So our three pillars are. Uh, abolishing human trafficking, eradicating mm-hmm. domestic and sexual violence, and then also supporting our women warriors and first responders. So um, all three of them actually really are closely entwined together. And yes. what we have discovered is, you know, what happens when someone is traumatized, but then also what happens when someone has the ability to become a leader, And that's what makes these pillars so remarkable in how they intertwine and what we're able to do to empower women and families is because Mm -hmm. of this ability to, to reframe and tell a new story. 
And so I'll go into the personal bill of rights because what I'd love to share with you is we developed, um, I wrote a curriculum called Inside Out. So it's becoming a Shiro, a leader from the inside out. And it addresses trauma and it addresses sexual issues. It addresses women's roles. Um, And we do a lot of storytelling because it takes away the shame and the fear and the guilt because no matter where we come from in the world, there are stories. And there's stories about our roles and how we're supposed to be showing up in life. And, you know, a lot of women's trauma also often comes from um, feeling like they're not doing everything that they're supposed to be doing in the way that they were mm-hmm. raised. And yet we know that a lot of, for many of us across the world, we're still working on what does that mean to be healthy in my own culture. And so we do a lot of storytelling mm-hmm. from these different stories, very powerful And one of the most powerful pieces of our training that we've done is to create a personal bill of rights because most women from across the world and here even in the United States in many sectors have never written down nor voiced their own personal bill of rights. Like, I have the right to be safe in my own home. I have the right not Mm -hmm. to be sold. I have the right to be clean and sober. I have the right, you know, there's a number of rights. And depending on where women come from and what they've experienced and what they've overcome already, then you'll see things like women in prison saying, I have the right to earn my children back. I have the right to forgive myself and to be forgiven. And it's just, you know, I have the right to a new beginning. So, yeah, Marsha, super, super powerful. And so oh, gosh. we realize yes, that is emotional. Wow. It is emotional. It is also, mm-hmm. um, and I'm getting emotional as you're saying it, it's one of the most yes. pivotal and transformational moments for some of these women of their entire life to absolutely go, mm. you mean I have rights? You know, teaching this in prison has been life-altering for us. Oh, I can and imagine. So, um, no, you know, I said I can imagine, but honestly... I'm trying to imagine this. I'm trying to imagine that desperate woman and then Bridget, you know, you standing in front of her and providing her with this courage and hope of of her own writing of her own bill of rights. It's it's incredibly powerful. Um I, it it really is. It's it's I, I'm I'm moved by what you're what you're doing. It it just must be such a lifeline for so many that are suffering. It's just, it's remarkable, truly. Well, you know what's huh. so beautiful, too, is that once women have done this, is that, like, mm-hmm. in the prison, we have more than 87% that want to turn around and teach this curriculum, that wow. they have found their voice within them, and now they want to be leaders in their own families, in their own communities, even before they're able to be released from prison. So this is the power of a woman owning her mm-hmm. voice and then being able to, to tell a new story. So realizing this, when Sue came on board, because she's just she's got this magnificent mind for taking yes. things and being able to put it out into um, the media and the whole mm-hmm. um, society in a way that's not scary, but it's very cool, right? Very hip and um, very attractive and fun. And so Superwoman was this way where, oh, my goodness, you know, we're going to be women telling these stories. It's going to be, you know, women and men who empower them, just what like Shiro's believes in, women and the men who love them and the, mm-hmm. the ones that we're in partnership with, right? But to to create this personal Bill of Rights campaign in which it's cool for a woman to be able to voice and own her own personal Bill of Rights and then to nominate other women and to share this over and over and over again. And so she challenges her mentor, you know, or mentors like mm-hmm. in the ALS bucket challenge. And she challenges her sisters, her mother, her daughters to do this as well. You know, any woman and any man that she knows absolutely deserves to claim their own inherent rights. And the power of this has just been exploding. So we we have some women who've never, ever done a live video, never recorded themselves, never spoken, I have the right to, who have been doing this on social media. And we just rejoice. I mean, you wouldn't believe the tears and the laughter and the joy that Mm -hmm. has been happening just from this one small movement that's starting to take major ground. 
Well, I appreciate what you've just said, and I think I'd like to bring Sue in to to just to talk about that. But I don't want to lose this thought in my mind right now, which is people are listening, and whether they're listening to our live show or they're going to listen later on in the day or tomorrow, whenever, I think it would be very important for you right now just to say, what is your website and how can people learn more about Shiro's so that they know how to spell that? Would you just tell them how they can find you? Absolutely. So they can find us at shirosunited.org. It's S-H-E-R-O-E-S. And then united.org. And also, um, Marsha, this Superwoman Challenge is, um, we call it the Superwoman Video Challenge. So they can go to superwomanvideochallenge.org and Mm -hmm. have the ability with instructions and video and other things, you know, examples to see what is possible and then to do their own. Well, I think that that's so brilliant. And that's where the partnership continues. And Sue, that's where Mm -hmm. I would like to bring you in here because... You are that person, you know, you are that, um, you're the, you're the hovercraft, you know, you're that person that's saying, okay, I have these skills. So how have you been able to help in this movement with I am a superwoman? Because we're going to talk about your summit in just a moment. In fact, you can even talk about it now. I'd, I'd love to hear about the video challenge and I'd like to hear about this big summit that you have coming up. Um, on this um, Friday. So, Sue, the, 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 sure. the mic is all yours. I'd love to hear about this. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Well, the whole concept of I am a superwoman, um, I brought that along to meet with Celeste and we pitched the, the whole concept being we originally thought about doing a, a PSA, a music PSA, public service announcement, which is similar to what I did for the She For Me marriage equality PSA, which was oh, definitely an incredible um, project. And we won awards for that. And we worked with Marriage Equality USA and it was really very well received. And we actually, as Bridget said, we took the stigma out of um, marriage equality in some people, you know, through ignorance or through whatever, they're, they condemn something that they don't understand. So that prejudice needed to be brought, you know, forward and shone a, put a spotlight on that to say, look, have a look at this story. And we basically shot a video that was more like a Hollywood story with a little red herring mm-hmm. in it. It was fun. It was music. And it basically took the sting out of um, LGBT and all of those things that people are scared of because they just don't understand it. So that was a really good mm-hmm. success. We had four or five million views of it and we've won awards. We've had that thing taken out to the UK Film Festival, the Italian Film Festival. We had so many people request it, nice. which was wonderful. So I was thinking, how do we do this with, with something that the ladies are working with here? And, and having, having it come across doing it in a way that we could uh, affect people in the most commercial ways because what the work that this, these ladies do, there's, there's no, there, is no, there are no words to describe how much that they have been doing. They've, they've just done so much for um, victims of domestic violence and survivors of human trafficking. They've done so much, but not a lot of people knew about them in the USA to the point where the commercial mm-hmm. side of things. So my job was to try and find a way to uh, flip this over and give them the credit that they deserve in this country. And it's been amazing, the response we've been getting as the ladies were, I was showing them some emails we've been getting from some of the most amazing organizations going, wow, these guys are fantastic. Mm -hmm. So this summit was something that we wanted to put together to, um, because we've actually got survivors of domestic violence and sexual trafficking coming to the, we've invited 400 to come. So we're hoping that we're probably going to get a couple of hundred people coming just to be a part of it so that they can walk away and feel liberated and empowered because not do we just, we don't want to just talk about it. We want them to feel it. We want them to experience solidarity in the room. Mm -hmm. We need them to experience hope and empowerment and liberation and, and see other survivors on stage speaking. Uh, One woman who is going to speak had a a gun to her head every night being raped by her husband. She was sold. I mean, there are so many stories that, I remember being at this event and hearing her speak and I cried so much um, and I was telling her on the phone the other day how she affected me and she was like, thank you so much for not, uh, for not, um, for, for thinking of me. And I said, I thank you for not letting me forget you because the story that she Whoa. told was like, oh my God. So you won't I, forget it. that was very, oh, that was very inspiring for me. So I am also getting a bit choked up right now, but 
having her speak in front of these people who are going to take away all the, the mm. just the nuggets of hope and the fact that she's now a, a 100% American citizen. She's been brought into the country and, and helped and saved by one of the people that we're actually honoring with a Lifetime Achievement Award. We have a Now It's Up To Me, I Am A Superwoman Lifetime Achievement Award going to um, a retired federal judge, Bruce Einhorn. And um, that gentleman, I couldn't even begin again to tell you what he has achieved. He's, he's remarkable. He's a hero in every sense of the word. And um, we are absolutely honored to have him uh, attend. But just the things that he's done, I mean, he spent his whole life um, advancing the cause of human rights and, and he's personally saved more than 50 victims of sexual violence and trafficking and has got them asylum in the USA. And when he was younger, uh, he actually ghost wrote the asylum clause in your, in your um, actual U.S constitution he's actually written it himself like ghost he doesn't like me saying mm. that but it's true <laughs> um and then uh-huh. he, and then around in the late 80 or early 80s and to 90s he was the chief of litigation in the u.s justice department's office and he persecu- he himself um ran more prosecutions of nazi war criminals than any individual in history since the nuremberg trials this man wow. is such a pioneer and a, and a he fights for every single person, all the underdogs from LGBT to um, uh, Jewish to all kinds of people. He supports everybody and uh, he's going to be there. We're going to give him uh, an award and we have India's Kinney Stearns. She was a, a, an incredible TV producer and she was one of the a former vice president of business and programming for the Oprah Winfrey Network and she's amazing. Oh. She's going to be speaking mm-hmm. and she'll be getting an award as well. Um, Parissa Kosravi is a multi-award winning a journalist from CNN. She was a senior vice president for international news gathering for CNN for 30 years. She's been through everything from the East Bloc to Rwanda, to the genocide, but the Haiti, Arab Spring, so many things that she's been involved in. She's getting an award as well. Um, I believe it's media and human rights. Um, and we also have Tamara Wright, who is, um, she's Australia's best kept secret. And she's one of the most powerful transformational therapists on the planet. Um, and she's got so many, so many um, celebrity clients that she's worked with because she's astro- She's like an astrology and um, intuitive woman. She she can look at okay. your numbers and she can tell you and the stories. Oh my God, I'm not allowed to tell them, but the stories that this woman has has expressed and shared with us about the celebrities that she's worked with and the the, the readings hmm. that she's done are phenomenal. So um, I think people need to really come and listen to her. But then also she's taken all of that all of those, those skills that she has. And then she's also gone and done some amazing training. Uh, so she has all the absolute like clinical training skills to work with depression, sexual abuse, domestic violence, drug addiction, eating disorders. And she's put all of that together and she's running born free um, uh, seminars and she's helping young kids. She's got an incredible success rate. Uh, so th- just it's just the feeling of these people in the room with the, the love in their heart and the tenacity with, with which they, they dedicate themselves for humanity is what we want everyone to be, uh, to revel in on the day. Well, I, one of the, um, on my blog, on my website, on my Born to Talk radio show website, I do have the banner um, of, of and the people that, that you've just been speaking about. So, for those of you that are listening and want to do a little bit more research into the people that you've just mentioned, I think that's fabulous. And, you know, it's so funny, you know, we talked about scripts and things like that, you know, and I put my thoughts down together. And it's like, Oh gee, I hope we have enough questions. Are you kidding? We're not going to get through them all. And because, because I love our shows to be, I, the show is, is being delivered precisely how I could have dreamt it to be that you hearing three very passionate women talking about what's so very important. And, you know, this – so your summit is on, is on Friday. Then you're having this big red carpet gala on the next night. And somehow well, actually the, figured well, out how to get so you know Houston's the, the piano. The red carpet gala is going to be – sorry, the red, the red carpet gala um, will be in the spring. So we have oh, just, um, so been sorry. focusing on the summit because the summit has turned out to be such. Oh, that that's okay. We realize you had gotten some old information, but the okay. um, the summit has gotten to be such a huge uh, 
big deal, if that makes sense, because of the, yes, the caliber of speakers. Yeah, yes. and so we do have I was a call. We have an American Idol to back it. Oh my! God. Yeah, yes, that that, yeah. that makes total sense. So I'm really glad you you explained that to me because that that's really important. And um, the beauty of social media, because I see the positive. I want to look at the bright side of life, kind of like that song from Spam a lot. Yeah, always look at the bright side of life. Um, people can find out the great work that you're doing. And whether that um, gala was supposed to be Saturday or it's going to be down the road, people will be able to hear about this because they're going to follow you because you've opened up your story to my listeners. And the, the wonderful thing about a podcast is that it's not just singularly located. Back in the day when I first started doing my radio show, I was in the studio. And right here in Westchester, where I live, and um, and not New York, but but in Los Angeles, and I had it was an audio visual show, and I did that for nearly three years, and it was wonderful, and it was intimate. We could read body language, we could look at each other, we understood when somebody wanted to speak. When you podcast, you know the circumstances are slightly different. You might hear a siren in the background. You know, come on, things happen. Um, but. What what the beauty of the podcast is, is it just opens up the opportunity for me to have guests from around the world um, speaking their stories. It just so happens you happen to be in Los Angeles, which is close by. But um, I just think that I, what you've talked about is just so incredibly inspiring. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, my gosh, we, we, need, we, we need to talk about a few more things here. So... Um, when we, you had mentioned at one point that it's um, now it's up to me, and that's a hashtag. And I was wondering if somebody wanted to talk about what does that mean? Now it's up to me. Anybody want to grab that that question? Oh, why don't you do um, that, Celeste? It, oh, okay. Go for it, Celeste. I was going to say all three yeah, of us I'm could, good. but Commander, we'll okay, do a great well, job. Okay, well, each? You know, you could each have your spin on this. So somebody, somebody start. I'm happy with that. Sure. Every what we were seeing with the hashtag Me Too and the hashtag Times Up, people were saying, "Yeah, I was involved in that, and I was involved with that." And we were seeing a, a steady increase of people that were telling their stories. But other people were saying, "So now, what do we do? What's next? What's next?" And we were looking at each other, mm-hmm. and, and we all looked at each other and said. It, ta- it, it has to come from individual people. It has to come from within your own self, within your own family, within your own neighborhood, within your own community. It's up to you. Now it's up to me. That's how we came up with that because we knew mm. that the next change has to be each person is responsible for putting in their input and making their own personal shifts and recalibrations and rethinking who they are as an individual and there are lots of people out there, and I'm just going to add this, and then the girls can carry on. But there's a lot of people out there that are going, oh, my God, hashtag me too. I wonder if I've ever done anything, and now this is out there, and the statute of limitations, and, oh, you know, and there's fear-based. People are going, oh, oh, I wonder if that's going to come back to haunt me. Well, I want to make sure mm-hmm. that everybody understands that this isn't, a, this isn't anything other than a fact that the, the genders – we're starting to see a little tiny bit of a, uh, a gender separation. Uh, uh, men are afraid to hire pretty women. Uh, women, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's it, it, just a little separation going on. And it is our purpose. It is our intention to do this together. Men and women need to be able to work together, and they need to be able to talk together and to work through these things. And they really mm-hmm. need to understand boundaries. And we've never, when we were growing up and whatnot, we had our basic school talk in the fifth grade or whatever it was, but we never learned boundaries. We never learned what was appropriate. We never learned that. So mm-hmm. now each and every one of us, starting from our children, starting from the rarest form of a human being on this planet, the sweet children that still love and, and have no hate because they've not learned it. They, they are born into this world pure and loving and if you can think if you watch little kids they wander off and they hug they hug other little kids and there's nothing there that separates them from anything they just don't know it when you see them start to develop these characteristics it's brought in by their community and their surroundings and every child is different but if we in our families in our homes 
as we are raising our families, if we put together some new recalibrated core values that explains the boundaries and explains what is, what is too far and what is what, then that's when we get to understand, yes, it's up to me, it's up to my children, it's up to my husband, whatever. We're, we are now re-evaluating how we move forward yes. um, in all of this. And so that's my input on it, and the girls will pick up easily from there. Go ahead. Sure. Sue? Oh, yeah. Well, all I was going to say is um, one of the things um, – Oh, my business partner, and she's also a fourth producer of this event. Her name is Barbara Niven. She's an actress and a producer. Mm-hmm. And she says, I'm also a grandmother and, uh, you know, and a, and a mother. Um, what she says quite eloquently is that she was, you know, paralyzed with fear as to what, what can she do? How can she one person, how can one person make a difference? And she says that so eloquently because it's true because that's the whole thing of the whole responsibility. It's about individual <coughs> responsibility and personal accountability. So if you can mm-hmm. do it on your own in your house with your neighbors and then it's a kind of like the random, it's kind of like that random act of kindness thing. If you can put that love out and pay it forward, um, that's really what we're trying to do. So nobody on the, on listening, nobody has the right to say, uh, you know what little I do is not going to help no every single mm-hmm. person if they can just adopt this now it's up to me that's what it's about it's personal accountability and and um, individual responsibility it's the other way around but it's the same thing but that's kind of what it is so that's all I was going to say well said well said okay well you know what I'm looking at the time and I really do want to just switch this just a little bit because I'd, I'd like to ask all three of you this question in the time remaining because I'd like to talk about the future. So, um, Bridget, let's, let's move over to you. Um, you are an author. Um, do you have a new book um, in the works right now? Is there something coming up for you? <laughs> I have a couple of new books. Um, yes. One is about a, a woman <clears throat> of courage. And I'll just say that mm-hmm. uh, uh, she went from a woman of uh, being very frightened growing up with PS- PTSD, not knowing what that was, mm-hmm. um, because her father had been murdered aboard a naval vessel. And um, in her journey, she came to face her father's killer and the U.S. Navy, and she's become one of the most courageous women I know. So mm-hmm. that's all I'll say. I don't really talk too much about my books until they're done, but I do have some okay. extraordinary books that are on the table that will be coming out in the next um, six months to a year, actually. So Fabulous. very excited about Fabulous. that. Fabulous. Yeah. Celeste, if I was to ask you this, you know, do you have, and this is probably a very long question. I don't know if you can make it a short answer. Um, do you have some long-term goals for She Rose? Do you, where do you see She Rose being in a, a, a two years from now? I'll make that really short for you. Um, we have She Rose United started in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, mm-hmm. basically a seedling grassroots company, and we went. We jumped with the Parliament of World Religions that was one of our very first major uh, major events. We immediately jumped the boundaries and jumped all the way into Italy, into Europe, United Kingdom, uh, oh, Ireland. Wow. Uh, and then uh, we've done humanitarian trips to Africa and to India. And so what we, we, we went global before we could even get national. So we were so <laughs> well-known internationally that we wanted to circle back and, and make sure that we were doing right by our own country. So our goal is to have a presence in every state, in every county, in every, in every uh, pocket community. So our goal is to have a, a way for women in every, and women and men, because we have the Shiro mm-hmm. heroes that we haven't even had a chance to bring up, but we have a whole division of mm-hmm. men that are working to be better fathers, single fathers that are raising daughters, but we could talk about that any other time. But um, we want to have a presence in every state and, my personal philosophy is I want to be brand rich in terms of resources, uh, in terms of if someone calls me, I don't want to have to even think. I want to go, this is who I want you to call. I want to have a resource for every single person that calls me so that they don't feel like they were just dropped or left. So 
So we are collecting names. We are we are collaborating with many other nonprofits. And so where I see us two years from now is right square in the middle of all of these all of these major things that are going on. We're getting ready to do the 2020, the 100 year vote. We're, we're moving forward on so many things. We're, this Superwoman uh, project that Sue has brought to us, this is the very first inaugural event that we're here in Los Angeles to do. Once this is done, they've already asked us to come to the United Kingdom. We're already planning a trip to, to Europe, and then it just is going to continue from there. So these, these summits and these galas will continue, and we're certain that we're, the message will be spread Again, I, I say that we're jumping the borders, but by this time we're in every state, every pocket community, and rural community because every single person, wherever they live, whether it be on a farm or if they live in a penthouse, they deserve to have mm-hmm. um, information and resources available to them if they do seek it. That. So that's where I see it. You bet. That's fabulous. And, you know, here's the good thing about my podcast. There isn't anybody that's going to ring a bell until your hour is up. So I don't want you to feel rushed. Um, Sue, um, what, what's, up, what's up next for you? Uh, well, it's all, for me, it's all about a brand. If there's a brand that's been created and I'm, this is a very dear to me brand, I want to make mm-hmm. sure that I take it uh, quite the opposite to Celeste. I'm launching it in this country and I want to take it out globally and we're looking for collaborative um, relationships. Mm-hmm. We're talking with uh, BMG Records about, a global series of concerts uh, for Superwoman concerts. Nice. We're, we're talking. We're talking with Forbes magazine about coming on board and being a part of us because they want to see us working in the UK. They're talking about. We've already got inroads into the most powerful celebrity couple in the U in the UK interested in coming to our event, which we haven't even put together yet, but they're that committed to wanting to come. We are looking at ways to expand the brand and to take the brand you know, into another stratosphere. That's, that's my job, and I'm, like, so excited about doing it. So mostly whatever I do moving forward with other brands and clients, um, I, I will always find a way to dovetail that into Superwoman because it's my heart, and I have to do that. I can't, I can't do anything without having it be a part of what I move, do moving, moving forward. And, and in that sense, She Rose United is stuck with me. Well, it's it's very clear, and 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 here's the thought that was going through my mind. So here we are, we're mid-August, and I'm thinking, okay, so six months from now or whatever, we need to do this again. We need to to regather. We will pick up what you've done since since we were last together, and you can bring us up to date because I can assure you, anyone that's listening to this show that either has a family member or knows of somebody that can benefit by this has been absolutely moved and inspired, which is what my pleasure is, having the opportunity to, to, have, to have you as my guest today. This is, I know that this was a lot of effort. I know that you are, I'm not the only um, talk show you've been on. I know that you're on a whirlwind to get the news out. I'm, I'm honored that all three of you have spent the time to join me. I feel like I have a better understanding about what you're doing. And it's just, it's, it's really important that people check you out and, and, and just support what you're doing because we can make a difference. I, I believe that we, we are born to be kind and compassionate and understanding and be difference makers and whatever part that anyone that's listening can play in this whether they want to send you a check I'm sure you wouldn't turn it down if they want to start some kind of an organization like this as a representative in their hometown they know how to reach you and I just want to thank all of you so very much and I want to also thank Donna Segura because if it wasn't for Donna I would not have met you and Donna came to me uh, via another organization called Share Hope USA, which is another organization that's very near and dear to my heart. And it would be mm-hmm. a, a travesty for me not to give a shout-out to Donna. Donna, you worked very hard on helping me with this. Yes, ma'am, you did because you've got that sweet Texas accent. And Donna, she sure does. You del- <laughs> oh, she's just delightful. And I've sent her... She is. Texts and emails in the middle of the night. Well, that's exaggerating. 
But I just want <laughs> each of you to sue to Celeste and to you, Bridget. You've just you've made my day. You've touched me deeply. Aww. I think it was an emotional show, and I think that what you're doing is just tremendous, and it's so worth doing a second edition. I, you know, I normally just do this on Mondays, but I'm always going to do a second edition show when I have the caliber Aww. of guests that I've just had today. I, I just thank you so you much, know, and I just before, thank you. Go ahead. Mark, Mark yes. before we close, would you uh-huh. uh, be uh, – would you mind if we told your listeners about our event this week? Oh, please. That we're having well, together. Please. please. Would you kindly? Yeah. Well, all I wanted to do was, yeah, what I'd like to say, what we'd like to say, Marsha, is perhaps we could offer something to your listeners. If anybody is in the L.A. area, uh, Beverly Hills, we would be very happy to give some of your listeners uh, some complimentary passes to attend the summit. Uh, the summit is priced at $222 for the day for general admission, but we would be very happy to extend some free passes. And however you think best to do that, whether you think it's people that call you in or whether they come to the front and register and tell us that, you know, however you want to do it, let's find a way to give your listeners something because we'd love to have them come. All right. That is incredibly generous. And what I and I wish I wish honestly that I was home and available to be able to take advantage of that. So I would say to my listeners, those of you that are listening locally, um, please um, announce how you heard about this show. I am going to be posting this on Facebook, and perhaps when we get off the air, I can speak with you directly, Sue, on how you'd like me to word that in a posting that I'll be, you know, uh, posting within the next. 35 minutes or thereabouts, and then I can direct my local listeners to how it would be the best way for them to do that. So how about when we, when we say goodbye, I will call you back, um, Sue, and we'll figure out the wording that you'd like me to put in place for those that are local. I mean, the, it's, a, it's a beautiful venue, and um, I think it would be fabulous, and it's very generous of you to make that offer. I, I, I very much appreciate that. Of wow. course. Absolutely. You, we'll, we'll hang up okay. and say goodbye, then you can call me back and we'll say hello again. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how it works. Hello and goodbye. So for right now, to all of my wonderful listeners and to my spectacular guests, thank you so very, very much. I'm going to play this cute little outgoing music that's going to conclude our show. And Sue, you can expect to hear from me in just the next few minutes. Thank you very much for joining me today, everybody. And I look forward to having you join me next week because next week it's going to all be about the Kiwanis and the Kiwanis International. There's so many wonderful organizations out there. Until next time, everybody, I'm saying goodbye for now. <laughs>